You're listening to the Toolstation Western League podcast with Ian Knockholes and Tom Hiscott. Welcome, listeners, to episode seven of the Toolstation Western League podcast with me, Ian Knockholds, and I'm delighted to welcome onto the line, it is the editor of the Toolstation Western League Bulletin, Mr. Tom Hiscott. Hello, Tom. How are you? Yeah, not too, not too bad for a Monday. Always, always better to speak to you. How are you doing? I'm all right. Is it warm enough for you? Yeah, just about. Yeah, I think it looks like we might be um, might be having having the end of this lovely weather soon. But yeah, it's been... Um, yeah, it's been pretty hot, hasn't it? <laughs> well, I'll tell you one group of people who'll be pleased to see the back of this weather, and that's the footballers, because yes, um, running around in this sort of heat. Uh, I mean, I was at a garden party on Saturday afternoon, <laughs> and it was all I could do to sit in a chair. So the idea of having to run around for 90 minutes in this sort of temperature um, doesn't yeah. exactly... It doesn't fill me with, with glee. But anyway, um, that's probably because I'm hopelessly unfit. Anyway, right. <laughs> Moving swiftly on to this episode of the podcast, um, we hear from the Brixham joint manager, Jason Couch. And in the first division, we hear from an old friend of the Toolstation Western League podcast. It is the uh, it is the manager of Welsh City, Sean Potter. Um, so we are going to review um, a selection of the games played on Saturday, the 9th of September, and we'll kick things off in the Premier Division, uh, where a huge crowd of 254 saw eight goals at Bridgewater United, most of them for the hometown side. Yeah, absolutely. They were yeah, pretty pretty good good winners. Uh, 6-2 victory for them over Oldham on the weekend. Nice, nice hefty crowd. Um, not quite the biggest in the in the division, but yeah, 254 there. Uh, Jack Fawn opened the scoring after after 21 minutes, uh, and then it was a header from Adam Wright soon after putting them two goals to the good. Uh, Tom Llewellyn then added in a, just before half time with a with a volley, so uh, yeah, pretty much uh, out of sight by by half time. Uh, and then it was uh, Thorn and Wright adding a, another goal each, so uh, take it out to well, put put them five goals to good. Uh, and then in the hundredth minute, so there was a fair bit of added time. Not not sure for the for, for what reason? Uh, I don't know. Hope, hopefully not. A, not an indrident read of anything, to be fair. But yeah, uh, Jason Quick scoring in the tenth minute of stoppage time to to bring the curtain down on a pretty dominant victory. So yeah, six-two win for Bridgewater at home to Oldland. Now a six-goal thriller at Buckland Athletic, and um, I think well, unless you tell me otherwise, I think this is a creditable draw for Somerset Side Street. Yeah, absolutely. Three-three, um, brilliant game. I think by, by all accounts, it was Phil Ormrod who was the uh, the star of the show, yeah, scoring all of all of Street's goals in the in the in the draw. Um, it's yeah, pretty, um, pretty pretty standout hat trick. Uh, Buckland uh, actually, yeah, fell behind in this one. Obviously, uh, Ormrod scoring uh, after only ten minutes, uh, but then Tegan Rosenquist uh, responded pretty soon after, made it one apiece. Uh, the home side then had a penalty save. Jared Lewington uh, spot kick. Stopped by uh, Jason Hutchings in the street goal, and the Cobblers made them pay. It was obviously all run again, notching soon after to make it make it two one. Uh, but then Buckland started to assert themselves. Obviously, uh, the penalty miss didn't didn't hold them back too much, and uh, yeah, they came uh, came came back on level terms uh, through Ben Carter, and then moved into the lead for the first time in the afternoon. Josh Grant's scoring midway through the second half, so that put them put them three two up uh, around the sixty five minute mark, uh, and that was how it how it stayed for for most of the. Uh, most of the second half, but uh, yeah, obviously uh, Street had a uh, a man at their sleeves that uh, yeah was um, was able to to find the uh, find the extra extra levels on the on the weekend. That was Ormrod stepped up again, uh, 
curling set piece a couple of minutes from time and uh, grabbed a share of the spoils. So, yeah, as you said, the Somerset side will be extremely happy with uh, how that one played out. A three-all draw for them away at Buckland. Buckland, never an easy place to go. So that really is quite mm. quite some performance there by, by Mr. Ormrod. So well done to him. Um, Clevedon Town. Uh, they were at home to Brixham AFC, and uh, this was a close affair, Tom. Yeah, it was just the uh, just the one goal between them in this one, and it was a, a deflected effort of that uh, coming from Alex Cam. Uh, but yeah, for for Clevedon, uh, managed to find the back of the net, and uh, yeah, gave them a a slender one nil victory at home to Brixham. Well, um, the the curse of the podcast has taken on a completely new dimension this week. Last week, Brixham had a fantastic win against Helston, and I tried to get in touch with their joint manager, Jason Couch, then to have a chat about uh, the game. Obviously, we've not spoken to anybody from Brixham before. They're a new um, team in the league this season. So um, um, Jason, to be fair, was having some technical difficulties. He persisted in communicating with me, but basically um, we decided that we would push our interview back a week. And unfortunately, of course, that coincided with what was probably almost an inevitable defeat um, um, this weekend. Well, um, to the victor, um, Clevedon Town, and I look forward to catching up with Alex White later in the season, of course I do. But um, I'm very pleased to welcome um, Jason to the Toolstation Western League podcast uh, on this occasion. And we reflected on that tale of two Saturdays. It was the best of times, it was the worst of times. Delight against Helston and disappointment against Clevedon Town. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Two, two different Saturdays in terms of scoreline, but I think um, in terms of performance, I, there wasn't a lot between them. Um, against Helston, we were, we were on it from the front foot and, and I think we, we, we dominated a lot of the first ball and the second ball and they couldn't quite cope with that. Um, Helston have a, a style of play which is fantastic, but we just didn't give them a chance to, to implement that and, and, and we got the result. I mean, it was crucial the penalty save at um, at one nil was was very important that, that kept us in the game and took us in at half time in, in a winning position. Um, and then Saturday was was a, a very similar in the way we play in the way that Cleveland play. Cleveland like to move the ball about from the back, um, and we managed to press and, and we were causing them problems. And then we had a sending off, which which changed the game really for us in terms of obviously we were a man like but it didn't stop us playing on the front foot and the lads gave everything and it was stifling hot as well so to lose a player in that heat was was tough but I mean Cleveland themselves admitted that you know we made a very good game of it second half and we're unlucky not to get anything from it but at this level it is margins very small margins So what have you made then of your start to life in the Toolstation Western League? Loved it absolutely loved it I mean we came up and we knew it would be a big step up. The, the geography is a lot bigger. The teams, there's a lot more structure and a lot more quality throughout all the teams. And, and the results themselves show that. If you look at it year on year, there's, there's never a massive gap across the division. And you'll see results where you, you think something's going to happen and the result goes a different way. So for us, coming off the back of a great season last season, both in the league and in, in, in the Cups, it was we knew it was going to be a challenge. And we start quite slow, predominantly anyway. We have a lot of... Um, people who have availability issues in August it's mm-hmm. always been a problem for us at the start of the season um, but we're starting to get a squad together now and, and, and we're starting to show what we can do and, and we've played if you look at the league table the top five teams we've played all of them three away two at home so we haven't had the friendliness of fixtures to start with um, 
to, but we're, we're, we're mid-table, you know, so, so really pleased with it, really pleased. Because you have been able to play a few teams that perhaps historically you won't have come up against. I know in this early sort of stage yeah. of the season, one of the features of the, the expansion into Devon and Cornwall is that a lot of the sides are playing each other quite a lot. But you, you've come up against the likes of Bridgewater and Nowsey and Tickenham and obviously Clevedon and Shepton as well. So, I mean, what have you made of the standard sort of outside of uh, of, of, of Devon? I think it's... it's it's really strong. It's really strong, and the more and more people I speak to and, and engage with about this level, they, you know, they'll all say it's one of the hardest divisions to to get out of. And you look at the teams that get out of it; they predominantly do very well in the step up. So it does show that teams that get out of the division are, are prepared for the next level. And every team we've been to, every game, it, it, it's never over. You're never in a position where the game's done. And I think, I think the thing I've noticed the most is, is the quality of the benches of teams. So teams will have 16 very, very good players. And they're bringing players on, not because they're not as good as the other lads, but they're finishers and the other lads are starters. And, and having that strength in depth is key. Because a lot of our games, I mean, every game we've won or lost, apart from Helsinki, has been by one goal. Mm. And a lot of those goals have been scored very late in games, either for or against us. And, and that's a strength in depth that I've noticed at this level. But every club we've been to has been really accommodating, and and it's it's, it's, it's I like going somewhere different. We, we were getting a bit stale in the Peninsula mm-hmm. League. We've been in it a good number of years. We've been near the top of it for quite a few years on and off. COVID set us back slightly. Very similar to Millbrook when you had Macker on the other week. There was a similar situation when he was at Millbrook, and and it's it's exciting for us and for the lads. We've got quite a young group, so for them it's a bit of a honeymoon period going into this new league, doing the travelling and playing these new teams at these new grounds um, you mentioned um, just now um, that fantastic run of form you went on last season obviously including the Vars run I mean was did you hope that that, that momentum would carry on in, into this season um, you, you never quite know one season to the other um, and we, you hope it would but I knew we had unavailability at the start of the season some of the players that were key in our success last season weren't going to be around for a few games so and, and it counts for nothing when you when you go in against new teams you know you're you're there to be shot down really and and it was it was tough the first game Falmouth was nil nil and again we, we lost two players then through discipline two red cards played with nine men in that game for for a long period so um it was always going to be a tough start for us and and we knew that you know we, we were going to have to adapt the way we play because we were so used to being the dominant team um, that we were going to have to adapt the way we play to cope in this league. But I thoroughly enjoyed it. And I, I would say we're probably, if I was predicting what points we were going to get and where we were going to pick them up, we're not a million miles off where I thought we'd be. Probably one or two points, maybe more, I would have hoped for. Because it's one of the reasons why I'm, I get really frustrated with the league tables at this sort of early time in the season. Um, you, you know, you've mentioned it already. Actually, in all of the games, all of your games have been incredibly close. Uh, you've come up against some very good sides, and actually, it feels to me like it feels to me. I've not even seen you yet, but it feels to me like you've had a much better start that your, than your league position would suggest. I mean, are you take 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 the points on the board and everything else out of the equation? Are you happy with the way that your team has started life in the Western League? Yeah, yeah, I'm not happy with losing games of football. I never am. Um, but I'm more than happy with the way the lads have adapted, the levels they've understood they've got to get to, the information they've taken on board. And, you know, the club's very happy with where we are and the supporters can see how close it is. The games we lose, how close we are to winning. The games we draw, you know, we were 2-1 up away at Sept and they scored in the 95th minute. 
you know, and, and there's things like that that didn't happen last season because we would be three or four goals to the good by that stage and teams mm-hmm. not had the energy or the desire to try and win or, or, or draw a game as much. So, yeah, I'm, I'm happy with, with the way we're playing. I'm not, I'm not happy with losing games, but I'm yeah, definitely happy. So what is your ambition, uh, what's your ambition for Brixham? This season or...? or well, I'm, I'm going to expand it out. I, I mean, this season, yes, of course. But, I mean, ultimately, it would be interesting to know where, you, where, where you'd like to see the club and yourself. I've been at the club uh, since it was formed, since the merger, back in, in 2012. So, um, and it was in the South Devon League then. So, so we've taken it to the Western League. And I want it to become an established club in this Western League, really. And I think it can be. I think this season is, is consolidation, getting used to the level, understanding the ground, the opposition, the travel the logistics that are involved in running a team at this level for the club as well as for myself and, and for Tim because there is a lot more involvement in, in, in match day prep and planning and away games than we would have had last season and then get ourselves established and then look to, to push towards the top half of the table um, and moving forward become you know a strong step five team well um, next uh, next up is a trip to Midsummer Norton you're going to play Welton Rovers and of course they had a very strong win at the at the weekend that will be a real test for you yeah definitely definitely I've been looking at their results and they didn't start brilliant but they on Saturday they, they beat Saltash who obviously we, we only drew with so so yeah they clearly picked up or some players have come back and it's at this stage of the season it's tricky with players coming in and out and, and there's been a lot of suspensions at clubs already as well because the refereeing has been completely different to last season so there's been a lot more discipline or, or a lot more cards shown in games so yeah I'm looking forward to it it's another long trip too on the bounce we're Cleveland on Saturday and then we've got Welton obviously this Saturday but yeah we, we go to it we go to it positive really positive it's interesting the um, the discipline issue that you picked up on there we, we've covered it in previous podcasts because of course you know like a lot of announcements that get made by the FA we, we knew that there was going to be a clampdown this season but I guess we, we, we're, we're used to getting lots of different initiatives from various organisations um, and, and, and they don't necessarily always bed in. So uh, it, it, it is the clampdown on discipline now something that's sort of evolving your thinking as a coach? Definitely, definitely. It's twofold as well because it's not just the discipline they've, they've, they've changed the way they deal with. It's the length of the game. Yeah. And that, again, goes back to the squad of 16. You know, games are lasting over 100 minutes now, easily over 100 minutes. And so you're having to judge your players' fitness and, and levels based on, on, on that. And a player can come on with half an hour to go of normal time and end up playing 45, 50 minutes because of the length of games now. So that's why the squad is key to that. But the discipline side of it, I understand they brought in these new regulations, but the way they were delivered, I don't think has really helped clubs I mean, we, we, we're not... Last season, our discipline was, was very, very good. And you might say it's because you're winning games. It's easier to not pick up bookings, not pick up cards. But I wouldn't say we're a dirty side. I wouldn't say we're a malicious side. And, and, and we're picking up cards for, for things that... I don't know whether they are yellow cards. They are obviously in the referee's eyes. But it does seem to be more prominent. And I'd rather that it was this change in the way they were going to run games was delivered to all the managers, either on a group meeting or individually before games a referee talks to the teams and explains how they're going to run the games now because they are doing it differently and, and that's fine if they need to do it to get an outcome around getting players to conform more that's absolutely fine but they need to deliver that information in a way where we're all on board with it and understand it that's an interesting point
This is your opportunity, Jason, um, to be um, to join the Brixham Tourist Board, um, because <laughs> I notice after the Welton Rovers trip, you've got three um, home games, and um, I, I wondered, could you could you sell us the match day experience at Wall Park? The beauty of Wall Park is it is an old ground. It is a proper old ground, and it's got that. It's quite. It feels really enclosed. So, and it's always. It's always windy up there, which isn't a great thing. But the beauty of Wall Park, the bar has um, a viewing area on the front of it, which is literally pitch side. And I don't know many places where you can stand with a pint in your hand in in the dry and in the warm and watch a game of football that close. They get, we get good support as well up there. It's a, it, it's a, the town is predominantly rugby, but the last season's exploits has meant that more and more people are now coming over to watch the football. Um, and it's it's a, it's a real friendly club. I've, I've loved my time there, and I think I think it's, it's a ground that if you haven't been to, you'd want to go to to tick off. I'm glad you mentioned actually the, the the Vars run because of course you weren't. I know you weren't a Western League side at the time that you did it, but I mean you you made obviously you made many national headlines. You were an enormous credit uh, and a great advertisement to the Southwest Peninsula League. So you you must look back on that um, with very fond memories, I suppose. Once you got over the you know, you know the ultimate defeat at Caution. Yeah, it was great for the club. It was great for the club and it was great for the lads. You know, it's um, it's not good for the nerves, again, because they were close games and, and a couple were penalties. Uh, one went for us and one went against us. For Brixham to be doing that and, and competing at that level and getting that far in a national competition, it was brilliant. And, and, and for a lot of the lads who've been with the club since they were young and the highest level they've played is playing for Brixham, it, it was brilliant. And it was great for some of the older supporters as well who've been around the club on the committee or played for the teams in the past when they were two separate clubs before they merged it was great for them, for them as well Right well let's finish off by talking a bit about you um, this is the question I ask to everybody the first time they appear on the Toolstation Western League podcast and I'd like to know a little bit about your footballing journey to the Brixham dugout OK um, I used to play uh, back in the day about what now, 30 odd years ago and I snapped my cruciate ligament and I was never the greatest player to be honest I was left footed so I always got a game but I wasn't the greatest and then while I was recovering from that I realised I was very good at telling people how to play football so I uh, started running a team at Gampton at the time who now now sadly they folded all their adult teams and from there I went to Stoke Gabriel um, ran them in the uh, ran Gampton in the Prince League Stoke Gabriel in the Prince League and then went to Brixham and when I went to Brixham their, their aim was one club Brixham United had the facility Brixham Villa had the um, had the financial they, they had, they had the money and they wanted to create invest in, in the facility at Brixham to create a Peninsula League club and, that, and that's what my job was when I came on board was to get the team up to the Peninsula League so that's where I've been for the last 12 years now And my thanks to Jason for his time. Now we will move on to Ilfracombe Town, where the visitors were Torpoint Athletic, and uh, this was an emphatic win for the away side. Yeah, absolutely, and uh, they hadn't been in the best of form. Uh, five matches without a win coming into this one, Torpoint. But uh, yeah, running out three 0 victors at Ilfracombe, so real, real good, real good stuff from them. Uh, as Owen Haslam uh, was first man to score for them, just inside a, just inside the area at the end of the first half. So put them a, put them a goal to the good, uh, and they then uh, added a, a second right at the start of the second half. So real good, obviously real good times to score, and probably 
for, for Ilford Coombe, not good times to concede. So, yeah, found themselves two goals down, and that goal came from Josh Pope, so that made it 2-0. Uh, and then, yeah, the host reduced to 10 men, so pretty much ending their hopes of, uh, of a comeback. Uh, and it was Ryan Smith who uh, secured the, uh, the the 3-0 win. So, uh, yeah, good stuff from Tour Point and a 3-0 win for them away at Ilford Coombe. And one final game to bring you from Saturday's Premier Division um, roundup, and that is uh, Welton Rovers. They were at home to Saltash United, another one of our high-scoring games here. Seven goals in total were scored at uh, West Clues on Saturday. Now, of course, it wasn't that long ago that we had um, Macca Brown on the podcast reflecting on what he saw as hopefully Saltash's um, fortunes um, turning a bit of a corner. And the last time I saw Welton Rovers... And they were having their pants pulled down, pulled up only so that they could be pulled down once again by Fairham Town. Um, well, on this occasion, it was the Green Army who were giving, who were handing out the mauling, Tom. It really was, yeah. 6-1 win uh, for them over Saltash, who obviously had shown uh, signs of improvement over the over the recent weeks. But uh, yeah, that that, that was... Um... Yeah, ended quite uh, quite emphatically, wasn't it, on the weekend? A couple of first-half goals from Dan Linham. A uh, quick-fire brace putting uh, Welton two goals to the good. Uh, and then they added a third in uh, first-half stoppage time. Will Hailston uh, scoring to make it make it 3-0 at the break. And, uh, yeah, Welton in an yeah, incredibly strong position. Uh, Kieran O'Malley giving, giving Saltash faint hope uh, of a little fight back in the second half, scoring three minutes after the interval, so they came out firing. Uh, but that was as good as it got for them. And, uh, yeah, well, three really late goals, to be fair. So it did stay 3-1 for uh, almost the entirety of the second uh, second half. But, yeah, late Lewis Russell uh, double, uh, scoring, I think, in the 88th in the uh, and stoppage time. And then also another one, even even later than that, another stoppage time goal, this time from Lewis Hunt. Uh, so, well, I'm really come, coming home with a wet sail and uh, a 6-1 win for them at home to Saltash. Excellent stuff. Now, that concludes our roundup in the Premier Division. And at this time, of course, listeners, regular listeners to the podcast will know at this time we enjoy a message from our sponsor. Whatever the job, with over 25,000 products in stock and ready to go, you can click, collect and conquer at Toolstation. Excellently done, Tom. Excellently done. <laughs> um, now we will move into the first division. Uh, we'll go to Bristol Telephones, um, where the visitors were Bishop Sutton. Absolutely, yeah, and uh, a tuna win for the phones. I think, yeah, yeah, I think they'll be pretty, pretty happy with how things have started this season. Uh, seventh league win of uh, of, the, of the campaign so far, and uh, yeah, obviously taking on the bottom side, so it was. Uh, an expected victory, uh, but uh, yeah, it, did, it, did, it only came thanks to a couple of goals in the uh, in the final quarter of the game. So Bishop Sutton did hold firm for uh, 70 or so minutes, but it was uh, unfortunately for them it was a former man that uh, put pay to their hopes of uh, picking anything up on the weekend. Craig Wilson scoring twice uh, in the in the in the final final sort of minutes, and uh, yeah, gave the the phones a two 0 win at home to Bishop Sutton. Now I don't know if the game between Cheddar and Wells has a has a moniker, but if it did, it could be the El Picturesco. Two Ooh. more picturesque um, communities you could not possibly um, hope to come across. Of course, the beautiful cathedral city of Wells and Cheddar Gorge. Um, beautiful, both in the Somerset countryside. Um, anyway, that's enough from the Somerset Tourist Board, Tom. How did these two sides get on on Saturday? <laughs> How did they get on? It was uh, it was an away win. Uh, Wells running out two one victors uh, at Cheddar. Uh, early early goal uh, putting them putting them ahead. Craig Herod uh, and uh, yeah that was followed just prior to half time by Ali Sen. So 
Cheddar did manage to to actually find time uh, at the end of the first half to to get a goal of their own first half stoppage time. So it was all all action as the game headed to the break. Lewis Chapel uh, firing home to to give them a, a faint hope of, uh, of coming back. Well, big hope of coming back in the second half. But uh, yeah, unfortunately, uh, a fight back didn't quite materialise, and uh, yeah, and it was uh, a two two one win for Wales, and that was the uh, the second time they'd beaten them to to start the season. Played both both games against each other already. So uh, Wales very happy with their two one win over fellow Somerset side Cheddar. Well, um, the Wales City manager, um, Sean Potter, is well known to us here, of course, on the Tool Station Western League podcast. It's always a, a, a pleasure to speak to Sean. It's the uh, it's the second coming of him as the uh, the Wales City uh, manager. And I started off the interview by asking Sean whether that game was as close as the scoreline suggests. Today, it was one, it was one of those, I think, when, when the scoreline's closed in the last 10, 15 minutes... Uh, and the team that are losing are, are pushing everything forward for a goal. Um, it probably makes it look closer on the whole than it was. But analysing the whole game, it was it was relatively comfortable. Um, we probably could have been four up in the first half, and they scored with probably the last kick of the game, uh, like at a half. Sorry, in the first half to to make it two-one, and it sort of changes things. Um, second half, I was a little bit tired. The weather was terrible. Um, the lads were really struggling from both sides. So, yeah, it was okay. It was okay. The lads played really well, and I think they'd say that the the result never really felt felt like it was in doubt. So yeah, yeah, it was a good three points. Now you're currently in your second spell as manager of Wales City, and you've been in very good form since you've returned to the Athletic Ground. Yeah, it has been good. Um, I wouldn't I wouldn't put that down just to just to me coming back in. I think the lads maybe just needed that little bit of psychological edge. They were at a stage where they're losing games that they shouldn't have lost. Um, and it wasn't down to ability because the, the, the team hasn't changed very much. We probably lost one or two, but we signed one or two. Um, so, it, yeah, it was just sort of getting the lads refocused and letting them know sort of what they've got ability-wise. And, and it's not the it's not the end of the world and, and we can win any game that we go into. We've got 96 points last year with a very similar squad so it's just sort of reiterating that to the lads and, and getting that mindset right again and turning those games where they're losing by the odd goal into games where they'll win by the odd goal that's definitely a mindset thing so I think they've um, yeah they've managed to turn it around and had some really good results the last few games Your own personal circumstances you stepped away at the end of last season and, and, and now you're back how did that come about? Uh, I, I just needed a break to be honest I mean, everyone gets that stage where it's a little bit too much and they lose a little bit of motivation. I think I'd got to that stage. I was, I was thinking about pre-season where I'd usually be, can't wait to see what players I can sign and, and organise pre-season and organise friendlies, etc. And I just wasn't at that stage um, for whatever reason that may be. I just got to that stage and I think as manager, it's difficult for, for lads, players to understand. They can sort of turn up and have a bit of an off day they can sort of go through the motions and, and still get through that game and not look too bad whereas a manager no matter what's going on in your private life and no matter how you're feeling about football and, and, and whatever else it may be you've got to show up you've got to put on put on a front and show up and, and if you don't then it reflects on the whole team so yeah my, my decision was to, to step aside and let, let someone else have a go I was quite happy to go and have a, have a year out and go and watch a bit of football with no pressure um, got a young family, so I, I was I was planning on sort of doing a bit more with them on weekends and not being tied down as much. But then, yeah, the chairman called me 
Uh, I think it was after they played Odd Down. They were playing Bocco the next night, which was a tough one. Um, and the manager had had enough uh, and gone. Uh, players, a few of the players weren't weren't happy. And yeah, there's a little bit going on. And I think they just got to the stage where they needed a little bit of change and they needed something to to help them out. And I said I'd come in uh, initially on a temporary basis just to sort of keep the keep the ship steady and not let them sink. Um, that still may be the case. I said that you, that you go and find someone else who's, who's sort of capable to come and take it on, and I'm more than happy to step. Right? So, yeah. So my remit was come in short term, maybe long term, depending what happens. Just take it as it comes and try and get the team winning again. Obviously, last season must have been very disappointing for you and the players. I mean, you mentioned the fact that you needed to to be able to sort of step away. If, if, what what impact did it have? You came so close to promotion last season. Do you, it, it, it it sounds like it had an impact on you. Do you think it had an impact on the players as well? I do, but maybe I think in normal circumstances, when you you sort of miss out through giving it your all and and trying your hardest and getting to the end and that not being good enough. I think that has a bigger impact than the biggest reason for us was the merger not happening. I think we spoke about it before, the merger didn't happen. Not many of the players wanted to get promoted. I certainly didn't really fancy getting promoted and doing it doing it um, this season with Wells. So, yeah, I think it's one of those, it's not a normal circumstance where the, the, the remit's changed and, and we've got 96 points, we got to the playoffs and thought, we don't really want to be going up here and the motivation's gone, we don't want to get promoted. Um, I think we needed something like three points from our last two games um, against sides that were in the sort of lower half of the league and, and the motivation had gone and the lads didn't want to get those those three points to, to get promoted. So, yeah, it was a little bit of a strange one. You don't normally come across that situation, but, yeah, I think that's, that's how it was for me and I think the lads were very similar. Um, and now the lads obviously think the merger could happen. The... the Aims changed again to wanting to be promoted this year. I mean, I guess under normal circumstances, a new manager coming in at this stage of the season with players that they don't know, not having had that group for pre-season, you know, would mean that you'd be behind schedule. But you know, but actually, because of your working relationship with the players and because of everything you did last season, I, I mean, does it feel like you've been able to hit the ground running? Yeah, that's right. I think it's not really a, a normal situation, as you say, like. I think I've come in and I'm sort of looking at players that I've managed before and players that I know and most of them that I signed. Um, I know what I know what they're capable of. I know what systems they can play in. Um, I've also brought in a couple of players since I since I sort of come back. So yeah, like you say, I've had that benefit of knowing the lads and knowing what they can do. And obviously, the lads that had come in knew that I didn't know anything about. I did have a benefit of pre-season of being able to look at new players and sign new players and and that was obviously a, a negative of it but the lads that I have got pretty much a similar squad as last season I only lost a couple yeah it's, it's enabled me to sort of go in I went in on a maybe a Monday night I think I accepted it and we were playing Bocco on the Tuesday so I didn't have any time to, to sort of do anything other than go in get it sorted and, and off we go so we sort of left, took over from where I left off and yeah it's, it's been okay it's been good now you've got Portis head up next. That's going to be a massive test, isn't it? Because they've been going incredibly well this season. Yeah, they've been going well. Yeah, I think there's always, always that little surprise package. Teams that will all of a sudden sort of get a budget from somewhere, or something will change, and a lot of players will, will sort of congregate from from higher up at a club. And 
that happens every year. It's a different side every year. You never know who it's going to be until we're sort of probably 10 games into the season. So, yeah, Port has had a started flying. I know they've signed some really good players. But, yeah, we'll, we'll go there with no fear. We'll go there and, and, yeah, just see what happens. We're not at a stage at the moment where we're sort of telling the lads we're competing for the title and we're going to be the team that are up there. We're just sort of playing catch-up from not a great start to the season. So just trying to build on game by game. I know it's really cliche, but building on game by game and just trying to pick up three points when we can and, and then hopefully having a good Vars run as well. I mean, it sounds to me like from that answer that you've got a much more healthier attitude towards the league table at this early stage of the season than I have. But if we, I mean, because you are familiar with the division, which sides have you got a feeling will go well this season? Um, you've obviously got to look at Port Z. You know most of their most of their lads that they've signed. They've signed a, signed a few very good players, um, <clears throat> and they've started off really well. So they'll be up there. Wincanton, one of those sides. I think they've got a bit of a small squad, um, but when they've they've got a fully healthy squad, they're always good. Um, which the start of their season shown as well. Briz are always going to be up there. Squad's unbelievable. Um, so yeah, there's there's loads of teams. I think Radstock have started well. Teams like that. You just you just never know who's going to be who's going to be up there or how long it's going to be how long it's going to last and <clears throat> it will change sort of month by month but then you'll get that mainstay sort of three or four I imagine that will be hanging around the top and hopefully we can start putting together some results and and we can sort of make our way up there and stay up there as well well you're you're at home to Shirehampton on Saturday and I guess you're hoping that this hot weather breaks but um after that um you've got Columpton Rangers in the FA Vars, that must be um, really exciting for you that you're still involved in that competition. Yeah, it's a great, it's a really good competition. We weren't in it last year, so we, we um, missed the deadline to to apply for it, as well as the FA Cup. So yeah, to to be in that this year is, is really good. We played Welton in the first round, um, which is a really tough one. We went on on a Saturday, and there was a bad injury to one of their boys, um, Courtney Charles, um, and the game was abandoned. So we went there back there on the Tuesday night. Um, putting a really good performance on the Tuesday and, and penalties. Maybe should have won in normal time, but we ended up winning on penalties. London's another one. You don't really don't really know what you're getting with the with those sides. We can have a look at their results and see what we can gauge from it. There's nothing we can yeah. There's nothing we can really tell about them. We're just going to go there with no fear. It's a, it's a one-off game. Um, just go there and see what happens. And my thanks to Sean for his time. Now. Early season league leaders Portishead Town coming up against even earlier season league leaders Bradford mm-hmm. Town. Two sides who have definitely started um, the season in in great form. 235 people mm. saw this one, Tom, and it would have been the home fans who went home happy. Absolutely. They would have gone home very happy. Indeed, a 4-0 win uh, for Portishead. They're uh, yeah, starting to starting to uh, prove any doubt is wrong, aren't they? It's uh, yeah, it's starting to look like they are one of the, well, if not the team to be at the moment. Uh, outstanding start to the season. And yeah, 4-0 thumping uh, victory over, over Bradford. Um, the, the visitors had only suffered one, one defeat in the league coming into this game. And uh, yeah, but... Uh, pretty much second best, I would say. A uh, 40-minute opener, so it was. It took a little time for it to come, but it was Ethan Felton. Not a surprise. He's their uh, leading marksman this year. Uh, knock, knocking the ball into back of net, make it make it one nil, uh, and then he was uh, on hand again, uh, making it two nil just around the hour mark. So uh, Port said 
uh, two up at the time. Uh, and then, they, yeah, they really pushed on uh, during the final half hour. Callum Eastwood making it 3-0. Uh, and then, surprise, surprise, it was Feltham again completing his hat-trick. I know, I, I'm not sure if this is potentially his third, maybe even fourth hat-trick of the year. It's definitely not his first, let's put it that way. Uh, but, yeah, his, uh, his hat-trick goal... Uh, completed uh, pretty late on a, f- a run and finish, fantastic run and finish, uh, finding the back of the net and uh, yeah, putting the real cap, the cap on a, a fantastic, uh, fantastic afternoon for Porter's head town. Erling Felton. Mm-hmm. Very much so. Might have uh, pinched that one. <laughs> one, uh, one last game to talk about in the first division and that is Warminster Town at home to Cadbury Heath. Now Cadbury Heath, looking at their early season results, have found life in the first division um, not the easiest to get to grips with, but they certainly found their stride on Saturday. Um, Seven goals in this game, most of them going to the away side. Yeah, absolutely. A 6-1 win for for Cabra Heath. I'm not, not... I don't know for certain, but I'm not sure the last time they will have they will have scored six. They probably did it last week, knowing my luck, saying, <laughs> saying stuff like that. But yeah, they uh, yeah not 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 usual big winners are they, Cabrahif? So uh, yeah, fantastic stuff from them. A, a big big win uh, at Warminster, and it was another another hat trick hero. It was Callum Woolley uh, scoring scoring three for for the Heath on the weekend. Uh, Josh Haynes, it was who had actually opened the scoring after 14 minutes before Woolley then uh, added added his name to the score sheet soon after. So they were two goals to go pretty early on. Uh, that yeah, Town did get a goal back, but then it was uh, a, an excellent name, Harry Goldspink, uh, restoring the two goal advantage. Um, and uh, yeah, they never really looked back from them. Woolley scoring a uh, scoring a couple more. As I say, making it making it five one, uh, and then it was Haynes again. So he opened the scoring, and he also uh, brought brought on a, brought close to the scoring uh, during stoppage time. So a six one win for Cadbury Heath away at Warminster. And with that win, Cadbury Heath overhauled Warminster Town mm-hmm. in the first division table. Um, but we won't be talking about the tables this week because we did it last week, and that mm-hmm. means we're going to do it next week. But one thing we are going to do before we sign off for another episode of the podcast is take a look at the fixtures coming up this Saturday. That's Saturday, the 16th of September, a full programme in the Premier Division and First Division, Tom. And where is your attention going to be on Saturday in the Premier Division? I think we've got a big game at the top. Uh, we've got Clevedon uh, in third, hosting uh, Falmouth in second. So those, uh, uh, yeah, those two teams have, have started the season pretty well. So uh, yeah, those two meeting looks to be uh, the the place where uh, place where there might be a bit of a uh, bit of a bit of bit of a contest on Saturday afternoon. Well, my gaze is taken a little bit further down the table. Um, in this podcast, we've talked about Brixham, of course, uh, and they travel to Welton Rovers. And of course, Welton had that very impressive uh, win against uh, Saltash at the weekend. It'd be fascinating to see whether they can keep that good form going. We can see that Brixham, all of their games have been incredibly close. Um, so I doubt that they'll be scoring six, but you never know. You never know at all. And one thing I can tell you is that um, if uh, Welton do um, defeat Brixham, then they will overhaul them in the uh, first division um, table. But given that it's so early in the season, it's hardly surprising. Um, uh, so we won't dwell on that. But what we will do is we will take a look into the first division, Tom. What game catches your eye there? We will. And it's uh, Wincanton versus Cribs. So we've got a, a Wincanton team who've already won eight this year. So that's uh, that's pretty good going. And they're taking on a Cribs side who, uh, a little bit further down the table, but I think, um, yeah, I think for most, uh, they've they've impressed. I know their first team's going great guns, which is good to see, but uh, the reserve side that is in the, in the Western League have uh, yeah, also started pretty strongly, I would say. So, uh, yeah, interested to see how Wincanton uh, face that challenge on Saturday afternoon. 
Well, Cribs will definitely have to be at the races if they're going to get anything at mm-hmm. Wincanton. Um, uh, now, having gone for Welton in the Premier Division, I'm going to go a mile down the road, probably a little bit more than that technically, um, to Radstock Town. Um, they're at home to Longwell Green Sports. I must confess, I thought Longwell Green were going to do do well this season. They haven't got off to the best of starts. Um, I mean, then you know they're 11th at the moment. I mean, it's hardly sort of you know sack the board time. Um, but um, um, uh, yeah, yeah, I got, still got to think that perhaps they're a better side than their uh, than their form, um, their early season form. Uh, might suggest Radstock, of course, have been doing absolutely brilliantly well, um, right up into fourth. Um, so on paper, this should be um, a, um, uh, a home win. But Radstock's games have been pretty tight. Even their win over Hallen um, was was only achieved by one goal to nil at the weekend. So um, um, we can take nothing for granted. But of course, if Ray Johnson can keep this good run of form going, then he is putting real pressure on the teams above Radstock at the top of the table. So um, fascinating to see whether Radstock can continue their good form and whether perhaps Longwell Green can get a, 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 a morale-boosting win um, to uh, 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 to get their campaign going. Um, we'll do the league tables next week, Tom. So we have, of course, been reflecting on your excellent bulletin, as we always do at this stage of the podcast. Can you tell the listeners where they can find that? Of course, yes. Yeah. So that's on the, the Tool Station League's uh, official website, toolstationleague.com. Uh, and then, yeah, if you just, yeah, when you're on the homepage, if you scroll down a little bit, you'll uh, you'll find it nestled alongside the, the podcast and the league tables. So that comes out every week. And, uh, yeah, that will be uh, freely available to everyone. And, of course, we mustn't forget that the podcast is also advertised on our social media channels as well, uh, uh, which obviously if you follow us on Facebook and Instagram, um, you, uh, you will find us. And on Twitter, well, I can't call it that anymore, can I? I've got to call it X. X. Although, have you noticed everybody's now calling it X, formerly known as Twitter? Yeah, it's, it's smart, isn't it? Yeah. And I've got this that... sneaking suspicion that that's going to continue like, forever. Think... Yeah. I, I reckon think... the don't question will be... plans worked, has it, really? Will, will it be known as X, formerly known as Twitter, for longer <laughs> than it was known as Twitter? <laughs> Very good. Uh, Possibly I... not. Yeah, I not sure know. how he, how long Elon's going to last. Let's be honest, but uh, yeah, well, we'll see. There's, that's a that's a completely different podcast. Um, <laughs> we could dedicate a podcast to that. Nobody would listen yeah. to it. Um, but anyway, yes, at TS Western League before Elon shuts us down, <laughs> taking his name in vain. <laughs> oh my God! Right then, listeners, thank you very much for your time. Thank you to all of our guests. They've been absolutely fantastic. Thank you to Tom. I never thank you. Thank you. Oh, Tom. it's uh, it's a pleasure. Always a pleasure. Good. Right. Anyway, thank you for listening and you'll hear us again next week on the Toolstation Western League podcast. <laughs>